Welcome to episode number 188 of the Pioneering Today podcast. about how to live a homegrown and handmade life with modern homesteading to raise, preserve, and cook your own organic food no matter where you live. And specifically on today's episode, we're going to be diving into talking about watering options in the garden and how using these different types of watering options can actually help you organically keep your garden healthier and increase your harvest because I'm all about doing less work and getting more reward for it when I can. How about you? But before we dive into the technical tips, I do want to let you know to mark your calendars because October 2nd, 2019 So if you're listening to this episode right when it airs and is published, you've got a little bit of time, a few months to be exact. But October 2nd, 2019 is when I am going to be launching and having the free world premiere viewing of my full organic gardening workshop. So that means for one week, starting on October 2nd, you are going to get complete free access to my entire organic gardening workshop. Now I'll have a lot more details coming your way as we get closer to it, including where you can go to get your seat reserved. It's all online, so it's all digital. So you won't have to actually be flying anywhere, though I would love to see you in person. But I just want you to circle that date and know that it's coming up because it's going to be pretty amazing. And I can't wait to share more details with you, but that's all I can give you for now. Okay. Back to the subject at hand, and that is talking about watering our garden. So at the time of this recording, I'm actually recording this the very end of July. So as we move into August in the first part of September, that is typically the hottest and the driest time here where I live in garden, which is in the Pacific Northwest. We're up in the foothills of the North Cascade Mountain Range in Washington State, and we're on the west side. And if you're from this area, you know what that means. Because once you hit the east side, you're not really the Pacific Northwest anymore. It's a lot more desert, dry type climate than we have here on the west side. I usually don't have to do a whole lot of watering in a typical growing year or gardening year in June. It's more July and August. And like I said, that first part of September that we get really hot. Now, obviously, depending on where you live, you may be experiencing the need to water and to irrigate a lot sooner. But I'm going to talk about the different options and what we use and why we use it in specific areas to give you some ideas for your own garden. So with my plants that are more susceptible to different fungal diseases, specifically blight, early blight, downy mildew, and powdery mildew, those all thrive when you've got a lot of your greenery or the leaves are really wet for extended periods of time. It's kind of like a breeding ground in perfect conditions for these things to set in and quickly take over. And some are more devastating than others. If you get powdery mildew, it normally doesn't really kill the plant. And here, most of our squash plants will get some degree of powdery mildew by the end of the growing season, kind of regardless of best practices, even though I'm going to discuss those with you here in just a moment. But I'll still get a good production and a good harvest. It doesn't really impede any of that. Downy mildew, however, and blight, blight definitely will devastate a crop if not gotten hold of right away. It's best if you can just use preventative 
measures when it comes to blight rather than trying to treat it. I mean, that's kind of true of anything. If we can prevent it from happening, hallelujah. But powdery mildew and even downy mildew, you can treat those even if your plants come down with it. Downy mildew, I have had, if it sets in early in the season, which it has for me this year, it will actually begin to affect my crops. So it's something that I treat. Whereas I said, powdery mildew, I can pretty much, it's not going to really affect us a whole lot. It's not ideal, but it happens. Now, what do these diseases have to do with the way that we water? Well, quite a bit. If you live like I do, where you're getting a lot of rain, then you have overhead watering just by nature and God's hand. And if you have overhead watering, unfortunately, that is where the water is coming from over the top of the plant. It's hitting the leaves before it hits the ground in most cases. So you're getting the leaf of the plant saturated with water and it's staying wet instead of where it's just in the dirt and in the ground. Overhead rain, obviously, is going to do this. And so is overhead sprinklers. And if you're watering even by hand, but you're pouring over the top of the plant instead of putting the base of your watering can down at the dirt and the ground level, then you're watering from overhead. So there's a couple different scenarios on how that can happen. But especially with our tomatoes, who are very susceptible to blight, and even some of our summer squash, peppers are susceptible to blight, eggplant, and even potatoes. So on those plants especially, we want to avoid overhead watering. I grow my tomatoes in a high tunnel, which is basically an off-grid greenhouse, meaning it's got plastic, greenhouse plastic that covers it on a frame, but I don't use any heat. So of course, I wouldn't use overhead sprinklers if I went through all the trouble of planting it under plastic to keep it free from any overhead watering. So on my tomatoes, we use soaker hoses. So soaker hoses, I love. I love soaker hoses for a lot of reasons. One, they're fairly inexpensive to put in. For less than 20 bucks, you can get quite a few feet of a soaker hose. And in the resource section of today's blog post, so basically it's just everything that I'm talking to you about here in written form, including links. And you can access that at melissaknorris.com forward slash 188, because this is episode number 188. So you can go and get links there to everything that I'm talking about, including the soaker hoses that we use but they're really easy to put up. So I'm not having to dig any type of lines and put in anything permanent. I just unroll those things, lay them around the base of the plants and hook up a regular hose. They're great for that. The other thing that they're really good for is they're conserving water. Because they just drip it out, you don't have runoff. So if the ground's really hot and dry and you put a whole lot of water on it, you've probably noticed this. It just likes to run off to the low area and it doesn't really even soak in. So the soaker hose is great because it's dripping it down slowly. So it really gets down right wherever you put the hose, which is why you want to put it at the base of the plant or where the roots are at. It's not spraying up, but it's going right down into the soil. You're using less water because it's just dripping it out, but the plant's actually getting more water. So it's great. The other thing that I love about it is like with my tomatoes, I want to do a deep watering just a few times a week. Because if you ever have dealt with blossom end rot, which is a calcium deficiency, now your soil does need to have enough calcium in it. But a lot of times with blossom end rot, it's either that there's not enough calcium in the soil, which therefore you can amend it and put your calcium in there, or there's enough calcium in the soil, but the way that you're watering is not allowing the plant to actually get the calcium from the soil into the plant. 
And so it's having blossom end rot. And so the way to avoid that is to water, especially with your tomatoes, a couple of times a week, very deeply, instead of doing it every day. You'll actually create a stronger plant. You'll have less issues with blossom end rot, which therefore means a larger harvest for you. And it's less work on your part. I turn on my soaker hose. You want to about one to two inches, kind of a week is the rule of thumb. So I will turn it on and leave it on for about six to eight hours, usually just overnight, that soaker hose. Once a week, when we're not super hot out, when we start to get really hot and we're going those extended periods of time without any rain and it's really warm, then I'll do it twice a week. It's not a big stress on our pump because we are on our own private well. So I got to be careful on how, what I do, how much work I put my little pump through for our whole homestead. And so I don't have to worry about that. I can just leave it on overnight, turn it off in the morning, a couple times a week, we're good to go. Because we practice a lot of crop rotation every year and actually every season, even in the garden, so that I can get the maximum amount of produce out of the same area of land in a full year that I can. I am putting crops in in the spring, in the summertime, and even in the fall, and I'm doing succession planting in between there. And so I don't want any type of permanent watering system in place. So I'm not going to be digging in, like I said, and putting in different irrigation lines and all of that, because I'm always moving where things are at to take advantage of, like I said, crop rotation. So I really like to use the soaker hoses because they're just so easy to move and to put in place. They're also really easy come wintertime. All I have to do is unhook them, drain them and roll them up and stash them away. And then they're ready to go the next year. And I will confess, I've even left a couple outside where it's been snowed on, frozen on. I have the same soaker hoses. I've had the same ones for, I think, like six years. And I have not always taken the best care of them. And they just keep on trucking along. So I love them. But I don't use them for the entire garden, at least not yet. So the other way that we water is for the main annual vegetable garden. I do have soaker hoses that I'll put in certain areas of it, so smaller areas. But for the main summer vegetable garden, we just put in six foot metal T-post. And on the top of that T-post, we put a sprinkler head on it. And of course, we run a hose to it from the faucet. And it's one that just sprays in a large circle, but we have it up so high that it will go and it will get the entire circumference of the garden that way. Now, when you're doing that, it is overhead watering, so it doesn't hit my tomatoes. Um, it does some of my peppers, but I have the peppers planted on the perimeter this year, so it's not getting quite as much water as the rest of the garden, just because I'll turn down the pressure so that it doesn't shoot out quite as far. And so they'll get some watering, but not quite as much. When you're doing that, I do have to watch out for on my squash, however, powdery mildew and downy mildew. So one of the things to help with that is water in the morning so the early morning before the heat and the sun is hitting and evaporating the water off that's falling because then that's not you know very efficient but the reason I'm doing it in the morning is because we have had quite a bit of rain actually last week believe it or not it was mid-July and our average daytime high talking high y'all for a week straight was 65 degrees Fahrenheit the garden was not super happy and we were getting a lot of rain I actually have some issues with downy mildew, and so I'm treating them with a organic copper spray to help eliminate that, which you will get to see in full detail when we do our organic gardening summit, because we're going to be talking about organic ways to treat disease and pests, and that's just one of them. But 
I'm running that overhead sprinkler in the morning for a few hours, and then I turn it off so that then when the sun is fully up, it's going to be burning off and evaporating the water that's on the leaves so it's not sitting there all night long to be a breeding ground for any type of fungal disease. If you live where it's really hot, a lot of people will choose instead to water. It's kind of a debate. You're one way or the other. A lot of people like to water at night as evening hits because then they feel like the plant can really absorb all of the water. It doesn't have the sun there to evaporate it off. But if you're dealing with any type of fungal diseases, then that's not really ideal. So typically here in the Pacific Northwest, I prefer to water early in the morning, but it's one of those things that you can play with and it's definitely climate dependent. Now, some people like to water by hand and I do water by hand a few things. But usually those are, of course, anything that I have in pots. I'm going to be watering by hand. And then my hanging baskets and just a few herb areas that I've got in some of my flower beds. And those tend to just need a little bit more water than they're getting. I really, the majority of my flower beds, I don't water at all. One of the things I love about perennials and the reason I try to grow a lot of them is because once they're established and they went through that first summer after you planted them, Unless it's extreme drought conditions, I don't have to do anything to them other than some pruning and then some putting on some compost and that type of thing in the early spring when they're beginning their growing season. They're pretty much hands-free and maintenance-free, which is my favorite thing to have. The only things that I really water by hand, like I said, are going to be the things that I have in containers. If it's a new perennial that I've put in and it's its first summer, just to make sure that it makes it all the way through it. And there's just been a few times where my echinacea has gotten a little bit too warm and went too long without having any type of rainfall. And so I have to water it by hand, but that's very rarely. So those are the, basically, those are the three types of ways that we water here on our homestead and have been the easiest to put in and to maintain. No matter which way that you choose to use to water your garden, I have found that I prefer to do a deeper watering, just like we were talking about with those soaker hoses and the tomatoes. I found it's just better for the plants and myself if I can do a good deep soaking type watering a few times a week rather than try to do just a small amount here or there. The plants respond better to it. I get a better harvest. They're just healthier overall, and it means I only have to water a couple times a week. So hallelujah. For our verse of the week, we are over in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. And this is the amplified translation of the Bible. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought and action. For he is a mere infant, not able to talk yet. But solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or human law. And I picked this verse to share with you this week, one because it's one that our pastor preached on this week, and so I have been coming back to it and studying it and reading further into the chapter and into the book surrounding that but also that we would be growing. And so I think it's important not only with our gardening and growing and the things that we're doing on our homestead and with our health, but also spiritually, basically all aspects of our life, 
is to look and to make sure that we are actually making progress and that we are growing. Now, I'm not after perfection, and I hope that you're not either because perfection is not realistic and nor should it be our goal. But to see progress and to see growth is something that we should be both looking for and checking to making sure that we are. And if we're not, then taking those steps in whatever aspect of our life it might be to make sure that we are actually seeing progress and that we are seeing growth. Because my friends, it is definitely about the journey. And in a spiritual case, it is also about the destination where we go when we pass away and we die. But it's about how we live on our way there. My goal for myself, and I hope the goal for you is that we are moving on from where we started and that we are progressing. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. I can't wait to be back here with you next week. And don't forget, circle that date, October 2nd. We have got some amazing things coming your way to help you grow your own organic food at home. We'll talk soon and happy gardening. Thank you.